Good morning. Good morning. Welcome. How many of you love Jesus this morning? Come on. Want well, to take a moment and welcome everyone joining us online and down in Lakeville, Southside, and Spring Lake Park here. It is an amazing day to be at church here. It's uh, Thank you, Pastor Nathan, for just welcome. We always joke Memorial Day weekend is also like National Youth Pastor Speaking Day. And so some of our other locations, uh, we, I know we have uh, uh, just an amazing youth team at all of our different locations, Pastor Donovan, Jeff, Danny, Allie, uh, Michelle, uh, just we have several of our team that they do an amazing job. And so can we give up for our next gen team as well, our kids team? Man, just uh, some amazing things going on. And uh, I could not think of a better way to kick off uh, today than just with the story of life change. Um, one of the most empowered or just a, uh, a powerful things that we can hear is a story of God at work in someone's life. And I want to kick off uh, just this morning with a, just an amazing story from an even more amazing young man of just what God has done. And it's going to set the tone for us this morning uh, in our time together. So uh, could you help welcome to the platform here, Brandon Campbell. He shares his 180. This morning. Good morning, Emmanuel. Uh, my name is Brandon Campbell, and this is my testimony. I grew up in a Christian household. I knew and loved God when I was younger. I got baptized. I was going to kids' camp. Everything was good. But as life started to get harder and more temptations started coming my way, I drifted from God. By the age of 14, I was vaping consistently. As time went on, I started getting into weed and alcohol, and I experimented with psychedelics, and I was in a very lost and numb state. I was having sexual relations with people, struggling with lust and sexual immorality. A part of me knew God was real, but I was too caught up in what I thought was helping me, but it was actually destroying me. The friends that I had at the time, who I saw as family, stopped talking to me as soon as I didn't have drugs to share with them. I was getting caught by my mom, left and right, lying and deceiving, giving the people around me false hope that I was changing. I would lie, saying that I was done smoking. Then the drug test started coming, so I quit weed for a while and started to drink more and started doing more psychedelics. Basically, as long as I was not sober, everything was all right. And that's the lie that the enemy continued to feed me until one day my mom had caught me with drugs again. And the look of sadness and disappointment in her face when she realized that I had been lying again, that look burned a hole in me. I couldn't live with the fact that I had been causing so much hurt to the people that I love. So I decided that day that I'm going to give up drugs and turn to God. God met me where I was. In less than two weeks, I was completely free from drugs, alcohol, and nicotine. I changed my habits. I stopped listening to secular music. I stopped cussing. I am now free from lust, and God carried me through the whole thing. I was lost, but God said, I am here. I was anxious, but God said, I am with you. I was feeling alone, but God said, wait, if only you knew how much I love you. I was doing drugs, but God said to me, wait, the plan that I have for your life is much greater. 
I was in chains, but God said, claim the victory. I have already won the battle. I was going through spiritual warfare with lustful thoughts, but God said, claim the authority that I want to give you. I was so busy trying to fill the void with worldly things that the void just kept getting bigger. But God gave me purpose. God gave me discipline. Jesus died on the cross with me on his mind. He found me where I was and said, you are mine. My favorite verse of the Bible is Galatians 2.20. And it says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is my favorite verse because the lies of the devil will make you believe that your old self is alive. But as soon as you accept Jesus into your life as your Lord, your old self dies. I use this verse to remind myself that I am not my past mistakes. I am not my sin. I am not the lies that the devil feeds me. I am who Yahweh says I am. Another verse that I like is Psalms 9, 9 through 10. It says, the Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. No matter what stage in life you are in, it doesn't matter if you believe in God or not. It doesn't matter if you have a relationship with God or not. He's always chasing after you. He sees you and he hears you. He knows you by name and he wants an intimate relationship with you. The Bible says that the hairs on your head are numbered. The fingerprint that he gave you is different than anyone else on this entire planet. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And if you're struggling with anything similar to what I was, I know for a fact that if he can do it for me, he can most definitely do it for you. One last verse that I want to give you is Psalms 18.2. And it says, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, and my place of safety. God wants to be your foundation, the very thing you stand on. He will guide you and lead you where he wants you to go if you just trust him and give him all of you. God has a plan for every single one of you. And don't forget, I love you, God loves you, and God sees you. Thank you. I almost feel like we can just have the worship team come back up after that, right? I love moments like that because in a world full of bad news, God is still at work. Yes. It's so easy to miss out on what God is doing in the hearts and lives of the next generation, but also the generations that have gone before us. God's not done. God's not done. He's not just working in the next generation. He's working in the generations. For the, and I know Pastor Nate, he shares this whenever he's up here as well. Our legacy members, God's not done with you. God still has a plan, he still has a purpose, and it's amazing to see how we serve a God who's still active and at work. Can we give it up one more time for Brandon and just that message, wow. 
Well, as Pastor Nathan shared, we are closing out our series, As in Heaven. And uh, man, we've been going through the algorithm of prayer. Uh, and behind me, on the screen behind me, we're going to have just a list of our, like some of the previous P words that we've been using within the algorithm. Uh, so the person, power, praise, possess, and purpose. And so for us here today, the final one for our note takers that are like, I need the final episode, right? I need my clarity. I need conclusion. I need it all wrapped together. The final one here today we're going to be looking at is priority. Priority. And so we're looking at Matthew 6.13 as it says in or the KJV, uh, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's a powerful statement. And for those of you that might be in a different translation, you'll see that there in the footnote it references this. But we see echoes of this all throughout Scripture. We see it in 1 Chronicles 29.11. For yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Everything in heaven and on earth is yours. O Lord, this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. And then also in Revelation 5.11-13. through 13, Then I looked again, and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne of the living beings and elders, and they sang in a mighty chorus, worthy is the lamb who was slaughtered to receive power, riches, and wisdom, and strength, and honor, and glory, and blessing. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth, under the earth and in the sea, and they sang blessing and honor, glory and power belong to the one who is sitting on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. Now, these are just powerful, just declarations of God's goodness, his power, and his glory. But as humans, we have these human moments, these tensions that we wrestle with of, God, I want you to be known, but I kind of want to be known myself. God, I want you to get all the glory, but can I have a little bit? Can I have like a little credit? And what I have found in, in 35 short years on this planet is there is no amount of being known that can satisfy our appetite of being known. There is no amount of followers, of, of profit margin, of, of, of family and friends that would satisfy our appetite of I am known enough when it comes to looking around, that there is no amount of being known that can satisfy our desire to be known. And we see this wrestling match, this tension, that in a verse that we just read here, where it should be this declarative of God, to you be the glory. But can I have a little? And we see this wrestling match. We see it in parenting. We see it within marriage. We see it within workplace and in business. And it kind of sparks up the moment someone gets credit for your idea. Ooh, it gets real, real quick, right? <laughs> the title of my message here today as we close out, just simply, to God be the glory. Amen. To God be the glory. We're gonna be looking at a story in John chapter three that I think just captures this in such a beautiful human way. That sometimes we can look at scripture, for those of you that are newer to the gospels, newer to the word of God, here at Emmanuel, we do believe the Bible is the word of God. Uh, we believe that God in his goodness sent his son Jesus to die for all, uh, that where sin separated us, the price that Jesus paid on death on a cross restored and redeemed. And now that we have this hope found through Jesus Christ. So as we dive into the word of God, we believe this to be the inspired word of God. And as Pastor Nate has shared, 
get yourself a paper Bible. If you don't got a paper Bible, we got some for you afterwards. We would love to make sure you, we get this in your hand. But John chapter three, it's found in the New Testament. For those of you that are newer to the uh, Bible, Bible's broke up in two spots, old and new. Old Testament's before Jesus showed up. New Testament's after Jesus showed up. If you are newer, I would encourage you, get in, discover who Jesus is. He's a pretty, pretty awesome guy. Uh, kind of a big deal for us in the Christian faith. And so John chapter three, though, we find that John the Baptist in his ministry has just been doing some amazing things, but Jesus has now stepped into the story. Jesus has now begun his public ministry, and we see this wrestling match, this tension, if you will, that we had uh, just highlighted a little earlier played out in this story. So John chapter three, we're gonna look at verses 23 through 30 here this morning. John chapter three, verse 23. At this time, John the Baptist was baptizing because there was plenty of water there and people had kept uh, coming to him for baptism. But verse 25, a debate broke out between John's disciples and a certain Jew over a ceremonial cleansing. So John's disciples came to him and said, Rabbi, the man that you met, the man being Jesus, on the other side of the Jordan River, the one that is identified as the Messiah, is also baptizing people, and everyone is going to him instead of coming to us. Now, I'm gonna pause here for a moment, because like I said, I think this story captures some of our humanity in such an amazing way. Because notice, it's Jesus baptizing that they even reference, like, yeah, the, the one that you call the Messiah, he has more people than us. <laughs> Can you imagine just like the, just the irony of John's like, your point? Like, is, is there an issue here? <laughs> right? It's like, oh, like, it's like, if you, for the parents in the room, it's like, you know, one of your children coming back, so-and-so did more chores than me. <laughs> Are you mad? <laughs> you know, you look at this because instantly this petty side comes out, right? Like, we love, like, oh, like, and, and John the Baptist's followers have probably got accustomed to a certain level of notoriety at this point of all, all the people John's baptizing, the ministry is growing, there are crowds, but what happens when somebody else is a little bit more successful? What happens if someone else is a little bit more liked? You see this in sibling dynamics, right? The youngest and the, and the, the, uh, the youngest and the oldest. Don't, we're not going to forget about the middle children, all right? We see you here. But you can almost see this almost in sibling dynamics of like, do you see me? Do you see me? Do you see what I've done? And this, this, petty, <laughs> this petty human side of like comparison, right? You're comparing successes. We see this with John's disciples in this moment. Uh, they wanted the attention. They wanted the spotlight. They wanted to be known. They just simply said, well, what about us? Will we be forgotten? All the while, Jesus, as he's beginning his ministry, beginning to receive his glory, John's disciples, like a lot of us at one point in our life, go, that's great, but what about? <laughs> and we find ourselves in this wrestling match. Just like so often at the expense of Jesus getting the glory, we try to hold on to a little bit of the credit ourselves out of our own insecurity that we might be overlooked, that we might not be seen, that we might not be heard. But yet, our Heavenly Father, the creator of all things, who knows all things, knows you. 
But yet, once again, in our insecurity, we try to cling to any of this credit or this glory as if it's going to help us arrive at some sort of uh, satisfaction in life. Remember, there is no amount of being known that will satisfy our appetite to be known. And if it's about us, it's not about Jesus. Quite simply, if it's about us, it's not about Jesus. To God be the glory. So what does it look like? As we pray these prayers, as we pray the Lord's prayer, as we say, for yours is the kingdom and power and glory. What does it look like to arrive at a spot where we can say that in a manner that overcomes some of these obstacles and the petty uh, distractions that would keep us from putting all the credit and the glory and, and honor back on God? What are some of the steps that, uh, that we can take? And John highlights this in the next few verses um, that I just want us, I think, are just going to apply to everybody here, whether you are new to faith, whether you you have questions about faith, whether you're just here because you're like, hey, I'm here for the weekend. I got a barbecue with my family tomorrow, so I had to come. Listen, there's still something for you here today. So John 3, 27, this is John's response to the disciples or his followers that were worried about the crowds that were growing and following Jesus, that were worried about their notoriety, that were not worried about if they were still going to be seen. This was John's response. No one can receive anything unless God gives it to him from heaven. What a response. Like John is already separating himself from like the rest of humanity at this point. Because there's some of us like, well, you know, like that type of baptism isn't the one that we do over here. That, that's like partial baptism. Like, you know, like we try to like break other people's success down. Like it's not as good as like we hold people underwater for five seconds. They're like three seconds over there. So, you know, they're going to be coming back anyway. Like, I mean, it's like we, we get petty, right? We get petty like that. But John's response, nothing, no one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. This is a great reminder for our first kind of takeaway here. We have to remember the source. We have to remember the source. This speaks to an attitude of humility. You know, in light of the situation happening, John is reminding his followers that if people are going to go to Jesus to be baptized, that's a good thing. That Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, that people are going to Jesus, that's a good thing. This is God giving. This is God drawing to them. The only reason that they had people coming to be baptized by John and his team was because God sent them. God gave it. And John was recognizing, he remembered like, hey, we have to remember the source. It's kind of one of those age-old sayings, right? Do not forget who gave it to you and where it came from. Don't forget where it came or who gave it to you and where it came from. Romans eleven eighteen 18 also highlights this. It says, do not consider yourself to be superior to the other branches. If you do, consider this. You do not support the root. The root supports you. See, it's so easy, and I've seen this within, our, within Christian culture, that these things that are meant to be supplements to our faith, maybe a podcast, maybe it's a book, maybe it's a sermon or worship music, that they're supposed to supplement, to add life, to encourage, to inspire. But what almost happens is we will substitute the source of our salvation, the source of our faith, for the supplement of it. That rather than getting to actual word of God, we will just say all my time spent is listening to other people talking about the word of God rather than going back to the source myself. That it's almost like a, a mother penguin or a father penguin coming back and just finding the food and regurgitating it back to his younger children. 
not teaching the children how to fish themselves, that we will substitute a supplement for the source. And John is just merely saying, remember the source. Remember where it comes from. Remember who gave it to you. Remember who it's all about. The second thing we see, John 3, 28 through 29, John continues, you yourselves know how plainly I told you. I am not the Messiah. I'm only here to prepare the way for him. It is the bridegroom who marries the bride, and the bridegroom's friend is simply glad to stand with him, hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. I am filled with joy at his success. Which brings us to our second point, which is just basically remember whose party it is. Now, I share that because uh, my parents in the room, you're going to get this. Uh, uh, last, uh, last fall, we celebrated my oldest, his eighth birthday. And all of a sudden, like, we're setting everything up, and then we hear this commotion in the present area, right? And I see, like, I, I see my, the feet and, like, the top of the head of my youngest child, and he's, like, going through the presents. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, I'm like can I help you? <laughs> like, are you good? The cake's over here. Like, I don't know where. And he looks at me just angry. He goes, Dad, where's my presents? <laughs> Parents in the room, you know, you know. I said, buddy, it's not your party. Well, why not? Because you weren't born today. Like, yours is, yours is a little later on. He's like, well, that's not fair. I said, dude, I don't know how I'm going to have this philosophical conversation with you right now about why you are not getting the presents. But uh, parents, we get this, and, 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 co- and there's other people in this room you, and watching online. You understand there's those moments, right, like where we love uh, or those moments where we feel like we're overlooked and not seen, that we try to like, well, what about me? What about me? But Paul, or what John is saying in this text is he's just simply saying, man, just remember whose party it is. We, I find joy at his success. When was the last time you could have said that about a coworker? I find joy in your success. When was the last time you could say that about a neighbor? I find joy in your success. Because I find a lot of times it can be difficult to adopt that mindset when it comes to following Jesus. God, I find joy in giving you glory. I find joy in watching your kingdom advance. We find that one of the obstacles is we can't even do it to the people we live next to. We can't even do it to the people we call family. What would it look like for us to find joy in the success of others? See, John is looking, he is full of joy, and he, he's just basically sharing, my joy grows as the success of Christ grows. In your life, what is your goal? What is the main focus? Is it to see your own personal success or the kingdom of God advance? Our final point here, John 3.30 that we pull. John says, he must become greater and I must become less. He must become greater and I must become less. This speaks to priority. Now, some of you have been looking at this Chick-fil-A cup all Sunday. You're like, it's Sunday. What did you do? This is called preparation, right? <laughs> now listen, I have nothing against Canes. Canes is great on Sunday. I love Canes on Sunday. Some of you will get that later on because Chick-fil-A is closed on Sundays. So um, my favorite drink uh, from Chick-fil-A is a Diet Sunjoy. Um, I'm working on an anti-dad bod right now, so got to say diet, right? All right, so for me, I love going in and I'll ask for no ice. Skinny Sunjoy, no ice. 
Now, some of you, there's people that I gotta honor in this room. Some people love the little ice, like the ice chips. Some people just go and get a cup of ice. That's cool. That's you, not me. That's cool. We can still come to church together. It's great, right? <laughs> but looking at with ice, there's just not a ton of extra space, right? But then, you know, I'm like, because I want no ice, because I want as much of that as possible. Now, look at the comparison of what's left over. Now, some of us, when it comes to our faith journey, we're going, God, I want more. I want more. But just let me keep my, I want to keep my anger. God, I want more. But can I just keep this fear? Like, it's really, like, I, I just, I, I've grown up with it. It feels safe for me. God, I want more. But can I just keep my doubt? You see, God has more but when it, what John is saying, John 3, 30, he's, he must become greater and I must become less. What would the ice be? What does it look like for you to empty the ice from your cup, if you will, to create space for God to do something new? What would it look like for you to make room? To make room. You see, John knew something that his followers did not know that morning, that afternoon, that evening. I don't know what time it was. He knew something. What Jesus came to do, oh, it was the real deal. <laughs> Who Jesus was, well, he was the real deal. And John was just trying to give him a heads up. I must, not I'm, I might become, let's, we'll see how Jesus does and how he handles these different political situations in, in the land with the government. I'm gonna see. He goes, no, I must become less. This is John, the, once again, his followers were concerned because of the popularity that they achieved, but this is the, 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 the top dog in their group going, I must become less so that he, that he might become greater. God's got it. God wants to share it. But do we have enough space for God to do what he wants to do in our lives? Do we have enough space to pray a prayer and say, God, to you be the glory, to empty ourselves in a manner that allows God to use us, allows God's kingdom to advance, allows God's glory and honor to be seen as in all that we put our hands to, that he would have the glory. There's no amount of known that will satisfy our appetite of being known. And when we pray, Matthew 6, 13, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and amen. It's saying that, God, you got it. God, you've got it. You've done it. And you're still at work. To God be the glory, he's not done. To God be the glory. When you look around this room, some of you are walking testimonies. that You're like, to God be the glory, he didn't give up on me. That's the story we heard earlier. To God be the glory that he is a, a heavenly father that goes after lost sheep. To God be the glory that he is patient enough. And in our pettiness, he's like, you done? Because I'm ready to do a work. To God be the glory, he's a God that finishes what he starts. You see, John continues in verse 31 through 36. He says, 
He has come from above and is greater than anyone else. We are of the earth and we speak of earthly things, but he comes from heaven and he is greater than anyone else. He testifies about what he has seen and heard, how few believe what he tells them, but anyone who accepts his testimony can affirm that God is true for he was sent by God. He speaks God's words. He give, God gives him the spirit without limit. The father loves his son and has put everything into his hands and everyone who believes in God's son has eternal life. I love this because then later on we see echoes of this in Philippians chapter two, one of my favorite passages in all of scripture. Philippians chapter two, verse six through 11. And, and what it's sharing, you'll see it on the screen behind me, but what it's sharing is just saying Jesus being the son of God did not see his position as a privilege, a privilege as something to cling to, but he put on the skin of humanity, came to earth, lived a sinless life to die a sinner's death. Because he saw they can't do it on their own. This gap that sin has caused, it's just too great. That in his goodness, he comes down. And we see what G, or what Paul or John was talking about, and what Paul referenced in Philippians chapter 2. And the reality, what we see here, Jesus didn't die so that you could be known. Jesus died so you could be saved. Jesus did not die so you could be comfortable. Jesus died so you could be saved. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. I want to close with this, this personal story. Um, growing up, uh, I was the type of family, we had a one car for five people. And it was an old GMC, had like the, the carpet on the inside and some of the wood paneling on the inside. And I remember, we, I felt like we were living when somebody gave us an old Chrysler, like a maroon Chrysler minivan with like the, the wood panels on the outside. I'm like, yo, we went from the wood panels from the inside to the outside. Look out. We killing the game of the Johnson family. And I remember I, I walked into the, our kitchen one night. Mom, my, my mom and dad were having a conversation and, and I'm like, hey, what are y'all talking about? And my, my dad said, hey, I think we're gonna give give the car away I said dad we dude, this whole one car for five person thing that was that was our test of faith like you know I'm an immature teenager at that point right and I'm going dad I don't understand like God gave us this this is ours right I start to get a little possessive my dad big mom begin to explain well we have a friend that's doing ministry in south Minneapolis and, and they don't have a vehicle and God's just doing an amazing work in their ministry and they just need a bigger vehicle believe like this is we believe God's asking us to do this and I didn't understand in this moment and finally my father who had the patience of Jesus looks at me son it's from God he might have given it to us but he might have given us to, to us to give to someone else so that he might continue his work through them we are but stewards to God be the glory we have one car Something God's given us to bless someone else. And I sat there in a moment of where I was, I just wanted my needs to be recognized. I just said, God, Dad, Mom, Dad, don't you see what we, but my dad and mom, they had a different perspective. To God be the glory. This is God giving this is from God. 
It's not our party. And we're just gonna continue to make room for God to do what he wants to do. You see this through John chapter three. It's remembering, remember the source. Remember whose party it is. And remember to make room. And that's what we're gonna do here this morning. I'm gonna invite everyone to stand on up as we get ready to close. We're just gonna step into a time of worship. The song we're singing, uh, several of you may, might already know it. It's called, it's literally just declaring, I will make room for you to do what you want to do. And I, can I just encourage you here this morning, wherever you're at, if you're watching a line in a building, God, what are those ice chips that are taking up space? What are those things in my life mentally that, Lord, I, you're just asking me, Lord, to begin to just let go? God, what are those offenses? God, what are those fears? God, as I look externally, what's happening around, it's impacted and influencing what's happening internally. God, what are those things I need to just let go? Because what we know or believe to be true about our Heavenly Father, that to God be the glory, He gives you a peace that surpasses all understanding. To God be the glory there, He will restore the joy of our salvation. But can we trust Him enough just to begin to release it back to say, God, I want to make room. I want to be in a spot that to God be the glory that I could give you the honor that you deserve. That God, that your kingdom would be, continue to be advanced. And so that's what we're just going to do for a several moments. We're ending a little earlier just so that we can step into this moment of worship. And I would encourage you, if you feel comfortable in the room, to step out, to step out of a, even a comfort zone. We've been doing this the last several weeks. and have been seeing God do some amazing things. We're just going to sing this song for just a few moments here this morning. And then Pastor Nathan is going to come up and close. So if you feel comfortable, I'm going to encourage you just to re, uh, raise your hands as a sign of surrender. So even right now, we're just going to begin to declare that, Heavenly Father, we make room, Lord Jesus. God, forgive us, Lord, of any pettiness, doubt, fear, anger, Lord God, that we might have been trying to cling on to, Lord. But Lord, even this moment as we make room, God, can you remind us of the source, God, of all that you've done, all that you're continuing to do. God, may we continue to make room for peace, Lord God. May we continue to make room, Lord God, for joy to be restored, Lord Jesus. And God, we just pray that we would meet with you in these next several moments. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We pray that you are encouraged and blessed by today's message. Check out emmanuelcc.org for faith resources, how to get plugged into community, or to join us live on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. We are so excited to see what God is going to do. The best is yet to come.